0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the finals countdown series which is as always brought to you by MedTalks. In this series we are providing all of you wonderful medical students with short succinct and super useful revision talks for all of your upcoming exams and also for your knowledge as lives as junior doctors. We really hope you've been enjoying the episode so far Please remember to give us your feedback. You can leave us a comment on the Apple Podcast platform if you're listening through that, or drop us an email. Our email is hellomedtalks at gmail.com, or you can message us on Instagram, and our Instagram is medtalks.uk. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be covering colorectal cancer. We're still in the gastroenterology section, people, and we're working our way through the GI tract, and we're talking all about cancer at the moment. So before we get into this episode I'd like to just take a moment to talk about the sponsors and they are Wesleyan. Now Wesleyan is a company that was set up way back in 1841 and they provide tailored financial advice and products to multiple professional groups including doctors, dentists and teachers. I'd like to just touch on Wesleyan's latest project called The Next Step. The Next Step is born from the Wesleyan tradition of giving back. Built in collaboration with final year students, The Next Step brings together some of the brightest sparks in medicine for live events, workshops, exam resources, contents and podcasts to make the step into F1 a little easier. They address subject matter you didn't know that you needed to know. So go on over and follow them on Instagram by searching at the Wes Next Step or Facebook by searching the next step hyphen Wesleyan or visit their website which is the the next step right then let's get back to the episode okay now let's talk all things colorectal cancer in this episode what will you be learning well firstly we'll be looking at some some statistics to do with colorectal cancer we'll look at the etiology and the risk factors and how it actually develops we'll go through some of the clinical features and how you might pick up if a patient has colorectal cancer and then how it's diagnosed And following on from that, we'll touch on the management and uh, the different types of treatment options that we have available. And then we'll look at the prognosis and any complications as well. So without further ado, colorectal cancer, here we go. So colorectal cancer is the fourth most common cancer in the UK. And this is after breast, prostate and lung cancer. And approximately there are 40,000 new cases each year. Now typically colorectal cancer arises from the epithelial cells that lines the colon or the rectum and most commonly colorectal cancer is actually found within the rectum. It's typically an adenocarcinoma which actually evolves from polyps and and will touch on touch more on this a bit later but these polyps may be present for at least 10 years before a malignancy actually develops. So most commonly is an adenocarcinoma but more rare the cancers are lymphoma and a sarcoma, and it's more common in Caucasian people than Asian and Afro-Caribbean. As I said, in terms of the development, it there is a progression of the normal mucosa in the epithelium that lines the rectum or the colon, which develops into a colonic adenoma, and these are also known as polyps, and this can progress into an invasive adenocarcinoma. Now, there are certain genetic mutations implicated in predisposing individuals to colorectal cancer. So, the first one is the hereditary non-polyposis colorectal cancer, which is HNPCC. This is a DNA mismatch repair gene, and a mutation leads to defects within DNA, and it can predispose individuals to colorectal cancer. Another one is the adenomatous polyposis coli, so APC. This is a tumour suppressor gene and mutation of this can lead to growth of adenomatous tissue. Now I'll just touch on some of the risk factors for developing colorectal cancer. A family history of colorectal neoplasia and a past history of a colorectal neoplasm such as a carcinoma or adenoma are very strong risk factors. Having inflammatory bowel disease, so Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, is also a strong risk factor. Other risk factors include a diet, which is rich in meat and fat, poor in fiber, folate and calcium, having a sedentary lifestyle, smoking, obesity, diabetes, previous irradiation exposure, so asbestos, history of other cancers, so small bowel, endometrial, breast or ovarian cancer, and also things like nulliparity, so not delivering any children, being late age at the first pregnancy, and early menopause. There are certain syndromes that predispose people to developing these polyps, so the hereditary non-polyposis colorectal cancer, the familial adenomatous polyposis, and other syndromes. Now I'll touch on some of the clinical features that we may find in patients who have suspected colorectal cancer. And the features will differ depending on which side the cancer is, whether it's on the right side or the left side. A right-sided colorectal cancer will present with things like weight loss, anemia, occult bleeding, a right iliac fossa mass, and this right-sided cancer is more likely to be advanced, whereas a left-sided cancer will present with colicky pain, some rectal bleeding, it could present with a bowel obstruction, tenesmus, which is the sensation of needing to open your bowels even though your bowels are empty, a mass that can be palpated on PR exam in the left iliac fossa, change in bowel habits and typically left-sided colorectal cancer is less advanced at presentation. The most common presenting signs and symptoms of the cancer or large polyps is rectal bleeding, a persistent change in bowel habits and anemia. Now any patient with symptoms that are suspicious of colorectal cancer must have a thorough abdominal exam and a rectal exam and unfortunately in some patients symptoms don't actually become apparent until the disease is quite far advanced. It's also important to be aware of possible signs of metastasis. So jaundice and hepatomegaly indicate advanced disease with extensive liver metastases. Peritoneal metastases metastases with ascites is also often present. And about 20-25% to of patients have clinically detectable liver metastases at the time of their initial diagnosis. And a further 40 to 50% of patients will go on to develop liver metastases within three years of primary surgery. Other rarer clinical signs include a deep vein thrombosis. So that's a clot that forms within the veins in the legs, typically in the calves. Another rarer sign is something called pneumaturia, which is essentially when you pass air bubbles through your urine and typically it, and it's a sign that there may be a passageway between the colon and the bladder also called a fistula an abnormal passageway as always it's important to consider the differential diagnoses so what else could it be other causes of these similar of these uh, presenting features must be considered so things like diverticular disease inflammatory bowel disease irritable bowel syndrome a local rectal pathology such as hemorrhoids ischemic colitis so all of these should be considered but because we've got a suspicion of colorectal cancer we must exclude that one first and now that brings me nicely on to the nice guidelines hey guys just a quick one if you like me are ipad lovers and spend all of your productive time on your ipads making notes for exams or making notes for anything else then i cannot recommend enough the paper-like screen protector the number of times I've scratched my unprotected iPad screen after using different styluses, or styly, but since having the paperlike Screen Protector, it's kept my screen extremely well shielded. Its nano-dot Surface technology provides a better tactile feel, increased stroke friction and minimal light diffraction so that making art and taking notes on an iPad feels as natural as writing on paper. Made for the iPad and Apple Pencil, Paperlike delivers the unforgettable feeling of real paper into your digital workspace. To find out more about this wonderful creation, you can just head on over to their website by searching paperlike.com slash medtalks. And I will leave this link in the episode description so you can have a look after you've listened to the episode. And if you are interested in purchasing a Paperlike screen protector, then please do enter the code medtalks at the checkout page. And again, I will leave that all in the episode description. Okay, back to the episode. So colonoscopy should be offered to patients without a major comorbidity to confirm the diagnosis of colorectal cancer. And if there is a suspicious lesion, then a biopsy, so a sample of this tissue should be taken for histology. A fleximal sigmoidoscopy and a barium enema can be used as an alternative to colonoscopy, but these are less effective and should be preserved for those patients who have a significant major comorbidity and are unable to go through a full colonoscopy. For staging, well a liver ultrasound and a CT or MRI scan are very useful. MRI is more specific than a CT scan in showing liver metastases. Now let's talk about the high yield stuff for your exams and that's the referral criteria. In terms of the referral criteria, National Institute of Clinical Excellence or NICE has come up with a suspected cancer referral pathway which is essentially patients need to be seen within two weeks, so it's a two-week wait. And these patients should be referred. So anybody who's age 40 and over with unexplained weight loss and abdominal pain, or age 50 and over with unexplained rectal bleeding, or age 60 and over with iron deficiency anemia, or a change in bowel habits, or a test that shows occult blood in their feces, and this is the FIT test. You can consider a suspected cancer pathway referral in adults with an abdominal or a rectal mass, and consider a suspected cancer pathway in adults age under 50 with rectal bleeding and any of the following unexplained symptoms or findings, so abdominal pain, weight loss, a change in bowel habit, or iron deficiency anemia. As you may or may not know, in England and in Wales, there is a colorectal cancer screening program, and it's offered every two years to men and women aged 60 to 75 years old. For most of the UK, a faecal immunochemistry test or FIT test is used. And if any of these samples are positive, patients are offered an appointment with a specialist nurse and a further investigation via a colonoscopy. And it was introduced in 2006. So and the NHS bowel cancer screening programme has increased the detection of colorectal cancer in people aged 60 to 69 by 11%. There is a well-known Duke's staging classification and it goes A to D. So Duke stage A, the cancer is only in the innermost lining of the bowel or slightly growing into the muscular layer. Duke stage B, the cancer has grown into the muscle layer of the bowel. Duke stage C, the cancer has spread to at least one lymph node close to the bowel. And the final stage is Duke stage D, the cancer has metastasized to other areas, so the liver, lungs, or the bones. But it must be said that now the Duke system is gradually being replaced by the TNM system so that's the tumor, tumor node metastases so T goes from T0 to T4 and this depends on the size of the tumor N is N0 to N2 depending on the number of regional nodes involved and M is M0 which is no distant metastasis or M1 which is distant metastasis Right then guys now we're going to move on to look at the treatment for colorectal cancer and really guys it's similar to a lot of the other types of uh, cancers within the GI tract so you've got the three main options you've got the surgical option you've got the chemotherapy radiotherapy and then there's there's also the palliative option now of course patients need to be referred to the gastroenterology team the oncology team and they'll all need to have a, a MDT, so a multidisciplinary team meeting to decide what the best treatment option is for that individual patient. Remember, treatments are always patient tailored and it all depends on the cancer size, spread, patient's comorbidities, what treatments they may or may not want. It's always up to the patient whether they actually accept the treatment. Uh, so let's go through, through some of them now. Now, as you could probably have guessed, the only real curative option treatment option is surgery. However chemotherapy and radiotherapy have really important roles as neoadjuvant and adjuvant treatments alongside their role in a palliative treatment option. So for curative management surgery is the mainstay of treatment for localized bowel cancer and the most typical uh, surgical plan is a regional colectomy. So to ensure removal of the actual tumor and then removing all the margins and the lymphatic drainage along with either a primary anastomosis or the formation of a stoma. So your options are a right hemicolectomy or an extended right hemicolectomy for sequel tumors and ascending colon tumors. And then there's the extended option. It can be performed for any transverse colon tumors. There's also the left hemicolectomy. This is for the descending colon tumors. And then there's a sigmoid colectomy, This is the surgical approach for a sigmoid colon tumour. Other other surgical interventions include an anterior resection. So this is the surgical approach for a high rectal tumour. Typically if it's more than five centimetres from the anus and this approach is favoured because it leaves the rectal sphincter intact if an anastomosis is performed. Whereas there's another uh, operation called an abdominal perineal resection for lower rectal tumors, typically less than five centimeters from the anus. So it involves the excision of the distal colon, the rectum and anal sphincters, and it leads to a permanent colostomy. Now guys, this is some high yield stuff. So I would recommend going over all of that again, because you will get a lot of exam questions that will test you on the different types of procedures for the different types of and locations of cancers and another procedure that you should all be aware of is the Hartman's procedure now this is in used in emergency bowel surgery for example when there is bowel obstruction or a bowel perforation and basically this involves the complete resection of the recto sigmoid colon and then the formation of an end colostomy and the closure of the rectal stump and I recommend googling some images of the Hartman's procedure so it makes things a bit clearer So that's surgery. Now moving on to chemotherapy. So this is usually for patients who have advanced disease. And just an example, so for Duke's C colorectal cancer, adjuvant chemotherapy has been found to reduce mortality by 25%. And the systemic therapy for metastatic colon cancer is, as I said, tailored to each patient, and it's also disease-specific. And then there's radiotherapy which can be used in rectal cancer. It's not really usually given in colon cancer because there's a risk of damage to the small bowel and usually it's a neoadjuvant treatment and it can be given alongside chemotherapy. For the very advanced colorectal cancers this will need palliative care input to optimize patient symptom control and essentially reduce the cancer growth. Now for those patients who have been lucky enough to have a curative resection, the NICE guidelines recommend that they have a minimum of two CT scans of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis in the first three years and regular serum carcinogenic embryonic and antigen tests. And this should be at least every six months in the first three years. And the carcinoembryonic antigen, CEA, is a set of highly related glycoproteins which are involved in cell adhesion. Now, normally it's produced in the gastrointestinal tissue during fetal development. However, before birth, the production of this antigen stops. And so, in healthy adults, the CEA level is very low within the blood. However, the serum levels are raised in some types of cancer, and one of those is colorectal cancer, which means that it's useful as a tumour marker, And so it's used for the diagnosis of colorectal cancer and also for the monitoring of it. In terms of prognosis, about half of people diagnosed with colorectal cancer will survive for at least five years after the diagnosis. 60% are amenable to radical surgery and 70% of these will be alive at seven years. And finally, in terms of the prevention... A lower risk of developing colorectal cancer has been linked with certain lifestyle factors so the incre- infrequent consumption of meat, matching calorie consumption to need, low dietary fat, having an active lifestyle, not smoking and frequent consumption of vegetables and fruit and having a high fibre diet. And there are also some nutritional supplements and medications that have been associated with a lower risk but again this is association not a uh, proven thing a proven fact and vitamins that contain folic acid calcium the regular use of NSAIDs and hormone replacement therapy now in terms of complications well colorectal cancer can have a number of different complications and these may include blockage of the colon which is also called uh, can, can cause uh, obstruction of the bowel whilst we have spoken about treatment and surgery or chemotherapy, radiotherapy, the cancer may return to the colon or it may metastasize to other tissues and that's typically the liver, bone. So those are the main complications that are associated with colorectal cancer. Okay guys, I think I will wrap this episode up. I hope you found it useful. Please remember to share these episodes with your friends, peers and anyone else who may think you find it useful. As promised, we've talked to all things colorectal cancer. We've covered the risk factors, we have looked at some of the statistics, how it may present. We've gone through the NICE guidelines for diagnosis, the referral criteria, and then we've touched on the different treatment options, looking at the surgery, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and finally, we've talked about complications, prevention, and the prognosis. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Please remember to give us your feedback. You can message us on Instagram, medtalks.uk, or email us, MedTalks at gmail.com. We've got lots more episodes coming up and we've got lots more episodes that are already available on any on all, all podcast platforms. So go over and check those out to aid your revision. It's really useful if you're just walking to a shop, you're driving in the car and you want to just do some top up of revision, then these episodes are all for free, guys. So make the most of it and top up that revision to help you ace your exams and for the future. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of your support. And we look forward to bringing you more content in the future. All the best and goodbye.